Hey folks, we're back again with another chilled out track. <laughs> I, feel like a, I feel like a radio DJ by saying that. Yeah, you kind of get a little bit like Radio 2, maybe even Radio 4. I think it's when it comes to unsung. Yeah, you know, Radio 2 territory. As anybody that listens to the show will know, Mark is a ball of energy when we're doing a full length album. How you doing, everybody? <laughs> yeah. Playing, like hitting air horns and everything. We do these ones, he's suddenly all demure. Mm. Yeah, well, you know. Yeah. Why is that, Vicky? Don't know. Because it's an intimate vibe, you know. It's just yeah. between us and a handful of other people. I, I de- <laughs> it's not a handful. Like more t- relaxed and chilled out. Less demanding, isn't it? Less demanding. Less than a marathon. It, more it's, uh-huh. See, it's more of a sprint. You think you'd be full of energy because you don't have to last as long, but we're the opposite. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, if you're listening to this, you are either a subscriber or we got lazy yeah. and forgot to record. So this is going out instead. This is Unsung, where we take the opportunity to analyse one particular track because many artists, you know, don't take it personally, folks, but you'll, you'll never qualify for Unsung. Um, but you might have a tune that qualifies for Unsung. Or, 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 or you might have just a good tune. You might just have a good tune. And we just might be And it might not be Unsung yeah, at all, Maybe just fancy seeing it. Might have like 120 million streams <laughs> on Spotify. Yeah, right. Jesus. Uh-huh. Uh, we're building a case already. We're building a case. Yeah. Uh, yep, and that's what this is, and that's what we're going to do. So, Mark... You've chosen this one. Yeah. Can you tell the folks? Papa was a Rolling Stone by The Temptations. Papa was a Rolling Stone. Wherever he laid his hat was his home. And when he died, all he left us was alone. You may have heard of both of those things yes. before. <laughs> I, think, um, I think people of our generation are not completely aware of this band. We've already had a discussion about this. Mm-hmm. You guys didn't think it was a temptations. No, I didn't think it was a temptations. Um, I think it doesn't sound like a it doesn't. See, because I ha- think because I detected a female vocal in it, maybe rightly or wrongly, that's a, that's I always, a false set. That's a man. That's a man. Yeah. <laughs> it's a man. I always thought it was uh, Sly and the Family Stone for that reason. Uh, it, so. it, the, the song in general, it, partly because it's got a twelve-minute version as well, it, it feels more seventies to me. Like it feels more of that kind of earth, wind, and fire, Sly and the Family Stone. Hot chocolate in the era, hmm. then it does. You know, the '60s, which is where yeah, that song is from '72. It came out. I know, but what I mean hmm. is the Temptations to me. Oh, just yeah. uh-huh. uh, the Temptations I think of them as a '60s band. Aye. You know, my girl. And I will say their best song, Get Ready. Yeah, as a cracking song. That's that, a fucking yeah. tune. Mm. Um, so yeah, I, I, I didn't realise it was them until you did that. However, it turns out it's not just them uh, because they didn't write the song. You didn't know. Uh, well, the people that wrote the song are there still the people that wrote the song. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were people that wrote the song. Yeah, it didn't. It just sort of like. But they were involved. They were also involved in this version. 
Yes, very heavily so. Who wrote uh, it? So it was written by Norman Whitfield and Barrett Strong. Yeah, so uh, they were like they were, they were like one of the biggest like songwriting duo in Motown, mm-hmm. and they'd written a lot of songs for them as well. I think they, they wanted to move the Temptations away, or the record label wanted to move Temptations away from doing ballads, and they they didn't want to. <laughs> they still did this anyway. Um, yeah, they were. There's, there's an interesting story about the performance and, and what was brought out of them mm-hmm. via some antagonism, but they were also not the first band to. Record this. So yeah. it was released earlier in 1972 by a group called The Undisputed Truth. It got to number 63 in the US when The mm-hmm. Undisputed Truth brought it out. Um, that version has this legit sort of 70s black exploitation soundtrack feel to it. It's a bit brassier and, mm-hmm. you know, there's a bit more repartee, I feel like. There is definitely a tension in the vocals in this version and that'll, that'll be explained. Whereas the Undisputed Truth version is a bit sassier. About saving souls and all the time leeching. It just feels more 70s, more pomp, more New York, you know, yeah. bigger. Um, that one starts really small and gets quite big band. Uh, it's classy, though. It's, like, it's, it's a good version. And you can tell in that original take on it that they have identified some of the key elements that they want to maintain to the fore of the song. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's little touches like the hi-hats and stuff like that are mm-hmm. remarkably prominent in this song. And that was there right from the, the early version. And mm-hmm. I think that was quite interesting to me because, you know, obviously sometimes you hear a song that's been reworked one or two times by different artists and it's really quite different. Mm-hmm. You know, they've, they've focused on different parts of the song as being the key. Well, with this, it seems that right from that first take on it, they kind of knew what they wanted to, to jump out and when they wanted it to jump out. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, The Temptations builds in that version. I think Whitfield in particular, Norman Whitfield, was determined to get a different take of performance from it. So he was he was producing this version mm. and he went to quite some lengths. He ended up actually getting fired as The Temptations producer after this mm-hmm. because uh, there was so much acrimony uh, during the recording process. Yeah, it's also staggering to think this is on their 15th album. Wow. And they'd been a band since, so this came out in 72, and they'd been a band since 1960, and I think they released their first record in 62, so it was like their 15th album. They'd done, they'd done two albums with Diana Ross as our backing vocalists. Yeah, this is quite far into their career, and this is easily their biggest hit. You know, there's uh, it's really hard to say. I'm surprised it's bigger than my girl. Yeah, well, I mean, well, hang on, before we go yeah. there, you mentioned backing vocalists. I found this one little morsel of trivia that I wanted, I don't want to forget. So, a guy called Bill Wolfer, Bill the Wolf Wolfer, <laughs> uh, created an electronic <laughs> cover of this song for his 1983 debut album, predictably titled Wolf. Um, <laughs> The single of that of of his version peaked at number fifty five uh, in in eighty three, and Michael Jackson did the backing vocals for it. Oh wow! Mm. 
the things you know, eh? There you go. That's mm-hmm. pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Otis Williams, who is now the only person that is left in the band because the rest of them have passed away or were removed and then passed away because uh, they've been going for 62 fucking years. Uh, he That's says there were the Beach Boys, isn't it? Yeah, as, yeah. Mm-hmm. We had a discussion after the Beach Boys episode where I said in our group chat, I think we forgot to mention the fact that the Beach Boys might be the oldest band in the world. Mm-hmm. I think these guys are like right next to them. Aye. You know? Especially the what a band that are still going as the Temptations are as well. Yeah, this guy, the singer Otis, one of the singers Otis, the, the only guy that's left. He reckons this was a last big hit. This was 1972. Mm. That's pretty. Probably about when the Beach Boys' last big hit <laughs> was. As well. No, no, they had that fucking uh, Kokomo in, okay. the, in the 80s. Yeah. The last decent Beach yeah. Boys song <laughs> was probably about 1972. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike, obviously we just had the special display song And we can't really go into the, this band's back catalogue <laughs> Because no, we don't have a lot of time And there's a lot of it um, And this is a lot of so- whole lot of song as well um, But I think it's worth mentioning some of the, hit, the hits And you've already mentioned Get Ready Which I think is an absolute classic Get Ready's brilliant Actually, you know, Get Ready I re-got into that when I was listening to Ash In my teens And Ash did a really good cover version of Get Ready Really? And it made me remember how much I liked the original I don't feel like that guy would have a strong enough voice to do that Really? It's pretty good. Oh, mm. Can't imagine what that would sound like. Also, well, the audience just heard it. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> the my, oh yeah, that I. <laughs> my girl, obviously, is a huge yeah, one as well. Awesome. Um, Ain't too proud to beg, another great song. That's another good I, I one. Can't Just my imagination running away with me. It's a beautiful ballad. Can't place that either. Just my imagination. That's the one. Mm-hmm. Running away with yeah, it's a good song. You sound like Tim Wheeler. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> <guy with> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so um, so this is so. There's a 12 minute long version of this, or like 11:45 going on 12 minutes, depending on what record you bought. And then there's a seven minute single version. There are some subtle differences between those two. They mm-hmm. use a lot more congas in the seven minute version to try and like, sort of busy it up and make give it a bit more life. It's it's a, mm-hmm. it's going for a different thing. The 12 minute one is a marathon. It really mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. Whereas the seven minute one, they're trying to, try to get, get you there faster. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you tickle. <laughs> you tickle in the musical nipples. Come on, come on. There you go. Well, con- that's that's what, what congas are, right? They're musical Aye. nipples. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody knows that. <laughs> well, that was common knowledge. Yes. Um, so the, the B side of the the single version is the, instru- is the instrumental parts of the song. <laughs> it's done into a single. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's quite interesting. 
So uh, we, we mentioned the recording process uh, and basically Norman Whitfield wanted a sterner vocal take. Um, Dennis Edwards, who did the, the, the kind of lead vocal in this one, they all did bits, they all trade off in this, but Dennis Edwards was kind of the main man in this one. He was trying to sing too big. He was really going for it and, and Whitfield wasn't having that, especially given that they'd already mm. done the Undisputed Truth version and he didn't think that was definitive. So he was basically... Deliberately irritated by the producer to, to get that delivery um, He told the Detroit Free Press in 2016 I wanted to put more on it I didn't want it to be so bland But Whitfield actually wanted it bland Every time I would try to oversing it He would change it He would make me mad Whitfield kept poking, prodding and pestering Edwards Until he forced the sullen vibe he <laughs> wanted for that first verse the, the lyrics are It was the 3rd of September That day I'll always remember Yes I will Because that was the day my daddy died it was the third of September That day I'll always remember Yes, I will Cause that was the day That my daddy died Actually, Dennis Edwards' dad had died, but he died in October. The, on October in October, yeah, third October. Um, he says, "I did not appreciate until I heard the record, and I said, "Whoa, what he was doing! He was getting me into a certain mood. The result was magic." Um, but yeah, they, mm-hmm. they fired Whitfield after this because mm-hmm. there was just too much arguing and too much mm-hmm. of a disagreement about the future and the direction of the band. Yeah, they wanted him to write more ballads and the yeah, episode and none yet. He was too busy doing stuff like this, which mm. I suppose after 15 albums, man, like you're going to want to try something different. Yeah, you know? up. <laughs> I would imagine this song has probably been sampled an awful lot. It's got a lot of like really iconic little bits in it. The bass line mm-hmm. at the start, even just the hats. Mm-hmm. That uh, is it saxophone? Trumpet. Do you not remember in the 90s like George Michael did a cover of Killer and Papa Was a Rolling Stone together in the one song? Remember like Adamski Killer? Mm-hmm. So he starts off singing that and then it goes into Papa Was a Rolling Stone. I can actually, yeah, I can imagine that. Mm-hmm. I, I don't remember it, but I can, I can absolutely imagine yeah. that, yeah. Mm. Was that a big single for him? I mean, I think it was fairly big, yeah. I mean, George Michael, it was definitely like at the height of George Michael, you know. That's cool. I am not a massive fan of this song. Really? What? I just, it, this this song doesn't move me at all. Like I said, I, I like the Temptations. Um, I like some of their older stuff. I really, really like Get Ready. I love that really more distinctly Motown era mm-hmm. of them. This 70s stuff, it leaves me a bit cold. So, I mean, this tune is just... I, I, don't, I, I don't dislike it. It just does absolutely nothing for me. That's really interesting. I thought you would like it. Um, I actually came across this... Well, I came across Temptations more... Or got into them more after we did the episode with the micro soundtrack, and then this 